everyone. Hi, hello. Welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I am sitting here with someone that I like a whole lot, Jim Norton. It's Thank his you. return to my podcast. He was on back in July of 2012, so it's been a while. He has a special out, which when you hear this, it will have just come out. Uh, it's called Jim Norton Contextually Inadequate, and that is on the Epics channel. And then it will be on demand, yes? Yes, and um, you can get it on Epics HD as well. Excellent. <clears throat> So, welcome back. Thank you. All sorts of things to talk about. Yes, my dog is quietly barking in the background. I never know whether the audience can hear that or not, though, because it's like right, quiet yeah. enough. That Wendy. Even if- <laughs> um, all right. So, when we last talked, you were pretty into juicy heinies, as you put it. Yeah. Is that still your thing? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Love them. I wondered if maybe your things switch up a bunch. Sometimes I, what happens is I've gotten more into feet in the last couple of years. Um, but I think I'm just running out of body parts and right. things to sexualize. What other things have, what preceded the juicy heinies? I've always kind of liked a nice uh, juicy hiney. I've always liked big vaginas. I like those big meaty vaginas. Where is the meat found? On the front. It can be all of it. You know what I mean? I, I, I clarify it like that because I don't want people to think I mean deep. Like right. I don't like a deep cavernous vagina. I like, you know, I mean, we're all snugness fans, but I like a, uh, a meteor, the, the either hanging or big lips or whatever it is. Anything that looks different like that, I like large, more the better. Now, that is not typically what you would see in porn, right? You do in some porn. Meaty vagina porn? Sure. There's a lot. It really is big clit, all that stuff. Really? It's a very fetish-oriented thing. And there's a porn star who I'm a fan of named Eva Long. She has the kind of vagina I like. We're actually Twitter buddies. I've never met her, but mm-hmm. I just enjoy her. You know, and I don't know why that is. Probably because I'm greedy. I've always thought I'm a greedy guy and I want right. more. That's all it is. Right. Is it more to hang on to? You're not no, hanging on I'm to I'm oral. I just like it in my mouth. I'm a, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm a glutton. That's what it is. I'm mm. a glutton. Okay. Um, I eat compulsively. Excuse me, this fresca is really bubbling up quickly. <laughs> it's quite effervescent. So it's hard for me not to compulsively overeat. Um, sexually, I've always, oral is my favorite thing. I talk for a living. When I smoked, I smoked a lot. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what it comes down to. But right. juicy hyenies, meaty vaginas, and even with feet, which again are recently, probably since the last time I saw you, I, like, I, think a, so. I like a girl with nice feet, but bigger feet. Like not tiny little dainty feet, but like size... I mean, they're all can be nice, but eight or nine or bigger, but they have to look feminine. I don't like man feet. I don't like bunion feet. I like nice feet, but big. Greg Fitzsimmons has a thing for Asian feet. Oh, that's I think because of the nail. Really? I believe that's what he said. Do you have a race specific foot fetish? No. um, White girls, I would say I prefer. I've never liked a black girl's feet. Have I ever liked a Latin girl's feet? I don't know. And Asian girls I've never dated. I would... But I've never had a, I've had a few sexual encounters with Asian girls, but not a tremendous amount. And so the foot fetish thing is about licking them as opposed to being stepped on or something? I don't be stepped on. Once in a while, I'll tell you, there's something about, like, I'm very scent oriented too. So, like, I like feet, they have to be clean. I don't want dirty feet. Like, some, some guys like dirty feet, like feet that have been barefoot all day. Ew. I like them clean. 
but a little stinky. I don't mind stinky, but like like in a sock. So okay, so clean but stinky, meaning like a gamey body smell as opposed to a. I wouldn't say bacteria game, smell. I wouldn't say gamey. Okay, I would say musky? sweaty, musty, like musky. Like, yeah, like like she's been she's had socks on and she's worked out, so it smells, but not a dirty smell. Like she was walking barefoot outside. <laughs> Right, because there are guys that like that. They like to lick the floor of a dungeon in a, with dominatrices. They like oh. to lick dirty feet. Don't like that shit at all. I don't have any shoe fetish. I don't want to lick your your heel mm-hmm. on your shoe or any of that crap. But I had one girl one time. She had nice size nine feet. She was a sexy girl, and I'm like, you know, just licking her feet. And they had a really sexy scent to them. And she starts slapping my face with her foot. And I looked at her face, and I could tell she was being aggressive. And she was like closing off my air. She was like sealing my nose, like trying to suffocate me with her feet. Was this I, a paid for encounter? No, this was. Oh yeah, paid oh, for. It was okay. Sure. Uh, this was um, really turning me on a lot, though. That she was doing that. Her attitude about it turned me on. But yeah, there's plenty of girls who will let you do it for free. I mean, this just happened to be a paid for one. And what was her attitude about it? Just aggressive and dominant, and wanting me to just not fucking breathe suffocating <laughs> me you know what i mean is that was hot how far would you have allowed it to go not too not far breathing yeah i mean just until i you know i needed to breathe i mean but she suffocated me with her ass too like she's just she was she's perfect you know perfectly <laughs> built i'm glad she's like i've joked about marrying her but i would mm-hmm. and she'd ruin me and take everything so i'm really glad she's just wants no part of that <laughs> so when we last talked um we talked a bit about your various compulsions and addictions that you had um, you know, overcome over the years. And I think you were saying that sex was really the last addiction that you hadn't tried to right. to conquer or deal with or whatever terminology you want to use. But that, you know, you didn't do you didn't drink anymore, you didn't uh use drugs anymore. Had you smoked? I have not smoked since two thousand one. Right. So you didn't smoke anymore, but you were aware that you were a sex addict. Sure. And how what's your attitude towards being a sex addict these days? You know, it's funny. I've I've been talking about this because this is like I'm a weekend or so to not doing anything sexually. And again, I, I don't know where it will go or how long it will last, but I wanted to address this because I just got, you get, you run out your string with something. It gets to be too much. It gets to be like, I, there's no end game with this, but you look like when you're in an addiction, you look at it like there's a finite, like, I don't always want to leave these. Like I'm thinking about their girl. I'm talking about with their feet. I'm like, fuck man, those were nice. I'll never get those again, but I've had them already. Like I said, I'm greedy. I'm a glutton. Um, I've had more than my share of pleasure and prostitutes and anything you can imagine sexually within reason. I mean, that I've wanted to do, mm-hmm. I've done, and it's still not enough. I still keep grabbing for more. I still keep. It's just all. It's absolute greed. One toe is too many. Ten thousand is not enough. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> That's a great way to look at it. So, um, and I, I tease myself into thinking I can just enjoy, but I can't have that just that one toe. I can't just do that one <laughs> thing. There's always going to be more. So I, I've kind of given myself a break from it for now, and it's very hard to do. I want to see what I'm like without it. I don't know. I'm Are you sick not of masturbating be- either? I haven't in about a week, but I, was, I almost did the other night because I could feel myself ready to go over the edge, mm-hmm. but I didn't do it. And I didn't call a pro. LA is a bad town for me because there's so many people I know out here, good escorts, really mm-hmm. good. But I've been hanging out with my manager and going out to dinner and doing podcasts. And my ex-girlfriend's a really good friend of mine. So I've been just doing good stuff, healthy work stuff and not being a creep. So I want to see what happens. I want to see where I'm at with it after a little while. 
because I'm I, I don't mind talking about it, but I'm sick of it being my identity. And the only reason it's my identity is because that's what I do. It's not like I'm. It's not a persona I created. I am literally always sexting. Do you mean the it that you don't want to be your identity? being oh jim norton he's kind of a pervert or that you're a sex addict or like wh- how would you define it or that i'm an active not doing anything about it sex act because perversion i don't think will change i'll date someone they'll, they'll have to be um in line with me sexually and i'll have to be in line with them i'm not going to date a person who only wants in and out for procreation i can't you know even not being I'm not paying for prostitutes. I'm never going to come back down to earth that far. Right. Where all I want to do is just, you know, put it in and put it out and that's it, Missy. No more talk. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm a pig, so I'm always going to be a pig. But I, I don't, you, why not just be a pig with one person? Why not just be a pig with, you know? <laughs> I just push the mic towards you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. You know, that brings in some cuckolding fantasies. Huh? <laughs> the big black mic in my face. No, but you know what I mean? I got to, uh, I, I kind of want to just, because it, it, it permeates everything you do it's always there so even when i'm doing something my phone is always there it's always present and i'm sick of this companion who i feel like it just drains energy it doesn't contribute anything some material sure Mm -hmm. but it doesn't contribute anything it just distracts me from everything i'm doing and everything i'm should be present for i'm not present for which is the case with any addiction right yeah Absolutely. This for me, like I feel bad for people who have food addictions. That's such a rough one. But sex is hard too, though. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just really hard to get rid of. So I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to wind up or what it's going to be like without it. Did you have a rock bottom, so to speak? No. Things that you think would have been rock bottom, just negative experiences or negative feelings about it never were. Like what? It's just... The suicidal feelings you get or the, the cause, because of the isolation or the loneliness that comes with it or the money you realize you're spending. The isolation and loneliness, is that a product, product of shame? Shame and also just any addiction causes that. Any addiction makes you isolate because you only want to engage that addiction. And oftentimes, I speak of my own uh, battles with all that, you become secretive. What are you addicted to? Oh, I'm not addicted. I, I, I don't drink or use drugs anymore, but I did have a, a run with some oh, of that. Oh, okay, so you understand. Yeah, yeah sure. and I felt so much shame about dabbling in drugs. I say dabbling. Look, I'm even trying <clears> to... It, well, f- what, what to me was problematic to other people would have been recreational, Maybe but so. I think I just kind of... The fact that I even did cocaine at all, I'm not... I never felt comfortable with it, and yet it's a highly addictive, super fun drug. Um, but I became incredibly secretive about it because I felt so so much shame about it, and so then I just felt disconnected from like every from the people that I hold near and dear. If this was a while ago, yeah. And then once once everything you do, once that addiction is constantly like for me, I don't have to go out and buy liquor or score drugs or get cake. I just got a text. Mm-hmm. Like I'm texting with a girl today and we're not, we've been sexual ones. We're just kind of chatting today, but you can get addicted to loving texts too. Like there's love addiction as well. So I got to be careful of that. Like, and I don't feel bad texting her compared to what I could be doing. I mean, mm-hmm. pardon me. They say that progress, not perfection. You know, I'm not perfect. Just work on it. You know, um, I can't be abstinent. Maybe for a couple months I can be. Have you sought treatment for sex and love addiction? Yeah, I mean, I've gone to therapy and stuff, but I know what I got to do. There's meetings for it, people to talk to the, who are in my boat. Mm-hmm. So I kind of know what I have to do, but as someone once said, knowledge is no defense. 
because you knowing it doesn't you know, it helps a little, but it's the actions that count. So if I'm acting out, it doesn't matter what I know. You know, you also look incredibly svelte right now. Thank you. And very fit. Thank you. That's kind of similar. Um, and you had mentioned that you eat compulsively. Is that some like what's your relationship with that? It's it's I. You know, I've been doing okay with it. The food, I work out four or five times a week. I, I've got a couple injuries, so working out's been a little slower for me. What happened? I have a, either tendonitis or a tear in my right elbow, which has been acting up again. And now my right knee's bothered me a little. Mm-hmm. So my workouts have suffered a lot. So I'm being very careful with the food. But I obsess. Like, I eat something. And then I'm like, you know, my relationship with food is so bad. Like, if it's not a piece of grilled chicken and steamed vegetables, I'm like, whoa, what am I doing? <laughs> and my trainer always tell me it's okay to have a cookie once in a while. You know what I mean? Or pretzels once in a while. It's like, relax. And I think of that, like, I didn't get, I'm not in great shape. I'm in okay shape. But, like, I didn't lose, like, you know, 25 pounds or whatever just to hate, you know, I'm not going to eat kale all day. <laughs> you know, but you just, you know, you can't get crazy with it. And that ba- I'm always fucked up with balance. I can't find balance in anything. Mm-hmm. It's a hundred percent or it's zero. I'm shit. When is the first time you noticed that <clears throat> inability to have balance in your life? Well, I don't think I recognized it as an inability to have balance, but when I was a kid and my compulsion sexually with my little friends, whether it was me and my little buddies blowing each other or me obsessing over girls' asses. I told you, I think I told you last, if you remember Juicy Heinies, this girl Janice put her ass in my face and that's how I became an ass fan. So I think that compulsion... It was to, a cold day and her ass felt cool, right? Yes, you're right. Your her face. ass felt cool on my face. So I th- I'm guessing it was from back then, <laughs> the, the, the beginning of like, the, I just don't know how to do this little. Right. So, you know, something that we didn't really even talk about, which is surprising, although it's probably something you've talked about a lot, but let's talk about it anyway, your childhood and how you got into comedy. I'm surprised that we didn't talk about that because yeah. that would seem like a, you know, an obvious one, but you're from New Jersey. Yeah. North Brunswick. I'm, I was in Edison when I was a kid and all the sexual stuff happened. I was in, well, something happened in North Brunswick too. Mm-hmm. Most of it was in Edison. I was always, always a weird kid. Like I never felt quite comfortable. I always felt a sense of shame. Always felt a sense of uh, being different than everybody and dirty. I always felt dirty. I'm guessing that's the sexual stuff, but I always felt like I had a bad secret and that, you know, I didn't want people to see who I really was. So that's why I'm funny, too, I think, is the fact that, you know, being funny is a, re- a reaction to something. Right. So I was always reacting to being insecure or feeling less than or feeling ugly or unattractive to girls, or whatever, you know, whatever it was. Were you raised with religion? No. I mean, I went to Catholic school, I'm confirmation, my once-a-week church. But this, uh, yeah, I was, but not but you religious don't fervor. But you guilt no. came from that? Maybe a little, but not not to the point that I... I Come here, dog. I like your dog a lot. Thank so you. I, know, I don't know exactly what it comes from, but I didn't get overly religious stuff beaten into my head. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't like an orthodox, crazy, you know, religious family. What were your parents like? My, they're still married. My dad is sober since I'm two. So I imagine I saw a little drinking when I was very, very young. My mom was a librarian. And so my dad was a military guy who worked for the post office. And my mother was a librarian. And they were pretty normal people, I guess. Very supportive. Not perfect, but nice. I got physically disciplined. I got hit. Never beaten up. Never punched in the face or anything extreme like that. Um, like a s- smack on the butt. Yeah, or in the face, even. I mean, I, really? but I, yeah, but I was. Oh, with a p- open hand. Yeah, yeah, no punch, just an open hand smack. Depend on what I did. I had a very potty mouth, very dirty little boy, little, <laughs> very naughty Jimmy Norton, soap in the mouth, fresh boy. So I think that, uh, but I don't think that contributed to anything. Did they really use soap in the mouth? Oh yeah, 
Yeah. I remember one time, my parent, my, my place in Edison, there was two entrances to my house. There was an entrance in my bedroom from a, a, a giant staircase outdoors, and there was a front entrance. So I was showing off for a friend of mine. My parents were out for the day, and I'm standing in my window talking to the screen, just saying dirty words. Shit, piss, fuck, <laughs> fuck, cunt, pit. And I'm, I'll never forget saying, this is your dick reporting. <laughs> And I heard the jingle of keys <laughs> and I realized my parents had heard everything I just said. Like they had come home through the other entrance. So I ran all the way around the apartment building and came back up the steps that they had come in and go, oh, hi, you guys are home. Like I wasn't the boy just yelling, this is your dick reporting. I don't know who that was. And my mother's like, your father's out looking for you. I'm like, well, why? What would dad possibly want? <laughs> so I got soap in the mouth for dad. It was a nasty punishment. Yeah. Soap in the mouth. I've never sucked. had that. Well, I've never had that as a punishment, but the times that I've accidentally gotten shampoo in my mouth in the shower or something, I've thought, ugh. Yeah, this was soap grinding on your teeth and you just hold it in your mouth. But that was, how old are you? Grind- I'm 46. I'm older than you. I'm 39. Okay. So maybe it was, I was going to say it's a generational thing, but you look younger. I thought you were Thank in your early 30s. But I was serious. I, I think that, that, I don't know if that's something that, you know, skipped your group, but. Uh, right. Well, yeah, there was a, well, my parents did hit me a few times, but it was always heat of the moment. It, like, sure. I don't think they thought it was okay, but it was like, like, apparently there was one time I wouldn't sit down in a moving car and another time that I was playing with these keys. I feel like that was like a common toy you gave kids, old keys. keys. Sure. And I was trying to stick them in an outlet. Now I look at that and I think, why didn't you cover the outlet or take them away from me as opposed sure. to smacking me, but whatever. But no, no soap or anything like that. But wait, I'm sorry to still be focused on this. They would grind it on your teeth or no. just put the whole bar in your mouth? No, it would be grinded on my teeth. Ugh. And I would just have to sit there and hold it in my mouth for a few minutes. But that was a common punishment. It sounds barbaric now, but that wasn't something they made up. That was just something you did. Soap in the mouth would right. stop you from cursing. Um. I want to concur with Jim. I got a soap bar in the mouth too. Jim and I are the same age. Yeah. It was a thing. Uh, yellow dial. I'll never forget it. What had you done, Jeff? Oh, I was swearing. I don't remember the specifics, but yeah, for a cursing. Right. Be funny if it was like a non-profanity reason. What did you do? <laughs> well, I, I had said something anti-Christian or anti-Jewish. <laughs> right. I was doing long division. I forgot to carry the one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They said, this will remind you. And then they burned my penis with a cigarette lighter. <laughs> um, but it obviously didn't work. No, Look it's funny. I went into the opposite direction. It, mm-hmm. it polarized me to be a pig. It sent me crazy. Because um, then I realized that th- those words had a lot of power and they meant something. Right. And your parents must be fine with it now? Oh, yeah. They love the fact I'm doing comedy now. They're very supportive. They're always very supportive. They're happy that I'm sober. And I, you know, as far as that's concerned, they were great. Do you have siblings? I do. I have a sister. She's, I think she's 39. She's 39 out of 40. And I have a, a nephew, Nick, who's 20 or 21, and my other nephew's like 18 months or two years. He's very cute. Um, so I take my, my nephew to UFC once in a while. And mm-hmm. It's cool. I don't have any children myself. So your sister had kids youngish. Yeah, when she was like 18. And then I guess she took a break and decided she didn't want to have sex for almost two decades <laughs> and then just had a kid. It was, it was a weird timing issue, but... You know, sorry about that. It's okay. It's a dog. There's no, there's really no rhyme or reason to why they do it either. Once they'll just hear something, and they just cause a ruckus. Yeah, we it's like had me, a little Jimmy Norton in the window. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we had a dog before her that barked probably five times in his whole life, and then there's Wendy who just every noise. I think she, I think she's kind of trying to be protective. 
Is that what you're doing, Wendy? Okay. Yeah, she probably hears us talking and she hears noise outside. Yeah, she she has really good hearing, which is a shame. Okay, <laughs> so your childhood. So strict, would you call your parents strict? Very, yeah. I couldn't watch rated R movies until I was in high school. I remember wanting to see Clockwork Orange and they wouldn't let me. My sister, it's always the way with the firstborn. My sister had a more lenient upbringing than I did because they already saw like, oh, okay, he's not going to fall apart and break if he watches a Clockwork Orange or Dog Day Afternoon, but rated R movies I was not allowed to watch. Mm-hmm. God, 9.30 curfew, it sucked. Um, and you felt like a misfit in school. Were you one? Yeah, I mean, I was class clown. And, you know, one of those things where you're always, I was an attention whore, any type of attention. You know, a lot of comedians understand that, negative, positive, it didn't matter. So, yeah, I felt like a bit of a misfit. Plus, again, I had all these sexual secrets. I didn't know if other people had them or not. And what age did you start realizing this? Um, very young. Instinctively, you know it's a secret what you're doing. You know it's wrong. I've had weird genitals. I got shamed one time by this woman who I was sitting with my friend Tony, and we were at the pool in Edison, and I saw that she had on a bikini bottoms, and I could see the outline of her pubic hair sticking out. So I said to Tony, I see hairs sticking out. <laughs> And she sat up and she's like, what did you say? I'm like, I didn't say anything. And Tony's like, he said he sees hairs. And she <laughs> screamed at me. She's like, you little fucking pig. And she screamed at me and she made me run out of the pool area. It was a public pool. I was very ashamed and embarrassed. But turned on or? No, oh. not at being yelled at like that. No, I think it scarred me from the vag. I've always had like fucking terror of the fucking vagina. <laughs> Which is maybe why I lick it a lot. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm always trying to like, you know, Tame I'm always it. trying to mend that fence. <laughs> <laughs> Come on over here, Wendy. Simmer down. Wendy doesn't like the dirty talk. <laughs> yeah, she's That's for you. The dog doesn't like the dirty talk. Right. She's a real Philistine. Understandable. So you felt shame about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hated her. I heard her boyfriend backed over his toes with a lawnmower years later. I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Cut a couple of his fucking tootsies off. But, Good. <laughs> but when did you start realizing that you were... Because you said that real young, you realized you have to keep it a secret. But when did you start realizing that things were turning you on? You know, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, as I got a little older, you start looking at dirty magazines. Like, I still remember the first dirty photo I saw. I remember where I found the picture. Um, it was in one of those old waterlogged porno magazines <laughs> and it was two guys with mutton chops is that water for sure that was a very late joke what's that i said was that for sure water oh yeah yeah yeah. okay you know might be just yeah you probably i was too young to jizz at that age my dick didn't know what to do it was just a frightened little hairless fucking pigtail <laughs> and i found this uh, waterlogged magazine i could smell the smell that those magazines had and it was a hardcore one shiny glossy and it was two guys having a threesome and the girl was sitting on a t- laying on a table, laying back, and, and she was like holding the guy's cock over her mouth. Maybe it was softcore. And he had mutton chops. I can still remember his fat face. And uh, the other guy was like fucking her. And it was a, it was a two on one photo. And I kept that in my drawer for a little while. My dad found it and threw it out. I never knew how he found it. Like he walked in, I was looking at. It, I was like, "What's that?" I'm like, "Nothing." But then, I, and then it was disappearing. But did you go in my drawer? He was like, "No." And I was so dumb. I didn't understand that he had. Yeah. Probably jacked off to it. So. <laughs> Are you into threesomes? I've had a bunch, um, but not as much. I like one-on-ones. I like watching couples. I've paid couples to watch them fuck. Because it's like a porno in your house or in the hotel or wherever it is. That mm-hmm. was kind of hot. You just jerk off watching. That was kind of cool. Um, do you have to constantly escalate to keep getting turned on? Absolutely. That's a big part of the uh, 
I'm just putting this water bottle on my back. It's, it helps a little bit. Um, yeah, of course. That, that's the hard part. If it was all, if, if it was just evened out, you know, and the same thing that turned me on now turned me on five years ago, I'd be fine. But it keeps going higher. It's like you have to keep upping the ante. Right. And it's like that with any, you know, with food. That's why people get to be 300 pounds because one cookie is not enough. You get a 40. Mm-hmm. It's the way it is with uh, sex or drugs or progression. It's called progression. So you always have to up the ante. I had asked you this on um, the episode when you were on last time. I wonder, do you think, because you were talking about being someone who, I think you already said it on this show a little bit too, like you need the dirty aspect. You need the talk, like just loving, playful, frolicking. <laughs> you were right. making fun of that, but which I totally agree with. Um, but just, just, Vanilla missionary in and out doesn't do it for you. You need all the bells and whistles. Well, I can have in and out, but it depends on the talk we're having. Like it, it's if it's dirty talk while it's happening, sure. But can I ever just put my face in a girl's neck and pound away thinking healthy thoughts? No, right? No way. And I was saying, do you think that is? Um, to avoid intimacy or because you're afraid of intimacy. And you said that you think it's partly that it's also just kind of being ADD. What are your thoughts on that now? Um, I, th- I feel the same way about it. It could be avoiding intimacy or it could just be, I like what's inappropriate. We always want what we can't have. So if you're a nice girl, I want you to talk about how you'd suck a black dick. And if you're a dirty girl, I want you to talk about how you love me and how I'm special. You know what I mean? It's always the opposite of what it should be. There's no, I didn't know about that one though. Yeah. Now you mean like you want sincere I love you and you're special from someone who's dirty? I've had that, sure. I've had that from prostitutes and from dirty girls and that's kind of fun. Like, you know what I mean? Like where I tell them I love them or whatever, even though I know we're just being dirty. And then afterwards I don't. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that was fun and like they get it and I get it. So that, that's kind of a cool fantasy angle. But it's just to break it up. It's to break up the monotony of whatever you're doing. When you have these encounters, are you directing it? Like, do you tell them, this is the kind of thing I want you to say, this is what I'm into? No, not that literally, because the the intuitiveness, someone's intuition turns me on if they get it, if they understand. Again, not mind read, but kind of pick up on it a little bit. I like that. Like, uh, I told the story recently, too. I was with a girl a while ago. We didn't have sex. We just went down on her, but she made me put her panties on, which I'm not into cross-dressing. It's not my thing. Um (laughs) But it, see, there's certain subjects that just set Wendy off. I'm not being, I'm not being homophobic, Wendy. I'm just saying it's not my thing. Wendy's very PC. It it's, might be her thing. Yeah, but she doesn't care for that. It's actually her name is Walter. <laughs> um, so, but she told me to, like while I was doing that, she was, uh, she made me put her panties on. It was hot. It was dirty because she asked me to do it. Mm. I wouldn't have thought of it if not for her saying to do it. It wasn't something I wanted to do, but I liked it because she liked it. That can turn me on. The mentality of the person I'm with is very important. Right. And are you hoping that work-wise your productivity will go up by... Yes, absolutely. Like the special that I'm promoting is not that dirty. Not for any reason. It just didn't work out that way. Like, you know, there's some sex stuff in it, of course, because that's my life, but it's not like a filthy special. The, the one I'm doing, working on, the material I'm working on now is actually dirtier than what I just shot. So it's, it's not like I'm cleaning up as I go along. Mm-hmm. I go back and forth between being a pig and talking about social stuff and sometimes I combine them. It's like whatever I feel like going with in the moment. But I do want to be more productive, um, you know, work-wise because there's things I'm working on now 
I'm animating some characters that I do on the radio, and I'm working on getting a talk show picked up. Oh, cool. Which, uh, that's what I really want to do. So, like, these things that I'm actually working towards, I don't want to have some, these, again, this companion with me in every meeting I have, you know, on my phone. I don't want to have that demon with me. Mm-hmm. Do you but, watch Dexter? Did you watch Dexter? No, I didn't like it. Because, again, it wasn't that it was poorly acted. But Showtime, a lot of times, you know, I, I don't like the way they address certain issues. Like, I didn't like that Dexter was made palatable because he only killed bad people. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, a serial killer I would watch a show about. But the Dexter, I thought, like, oh, he only kills bad people, you know. So, I, on principle, I didn't watch it. It's like a cop-out. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I just didn't... It, it was, to me, I, I would rather have seen a, a sitcom about a guy like Dennis Rader, BTK, or Dead, Ted Bundy. Make that guy likable. That's the challenge. Right. Like, you know what I mean? The murderer shouldn't have to be likable. Mm-hmm. Um, he should be able to be a hunk of garbage, and I can still root for him. That's some, the fun. I feel like it's, and I'm probably wrong, but I've had this thought before. It's just a matter of time till someone tries to make a pedophile likable. Because I was thinking about all the shows where they're taking, where like the what they're doing is taking someone that society judges for good reason in in the case I'm talking about, but and trying to make them likable. So. I feel like that would be the ultimate one. I have a pedophile character I do on the radio. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Uncle Paul. And people, the fans really respond to him. They love him. And that's my favorite thing to do because it's such a taboo mm-hmm. area. And it's so... I asked... We interviewed Kevin, Kevin Bacon on the show. So I asked him about The Woodsman because he... You know, like actors never asked to apologize for roles they choose. So like, I'll never apologize for making Uncle Paul funny. It's funny to me. Pedophilia is barbaric and they mm-hmm. should be killed. But it's still it's still a subject under the sun, so I loved going down that road. But will they make them likable? I don't know. I mean, in a way, I think they should because that makes them scarier. Because it's easy for us to write them off as like these monsters. Because I don't understand that turn on. I think right. it's fucking horrible. And but to, when you don't look at them like they're monsters, like they know they're real people. Like the guys that hijacked the planes on nine eleven, they were real neighbors and real guys. They went to school. They loved their girlfriends. It makes them more frightening because that's who you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know, pedophiles don't run around with devil horns on. They're just the regular coach that you have no idea wants to fuck a child. You yeah, know? you're right. That's the scariest thing is that it could be anyone. Sure. Um, yeah, it's like the, the banality of evil, which I think is a Hannah Arendt book that I read in college. I don't mean to suggest that I made up that term. So many things to talk about. Okay, tell me about the talk show that you're hoping will get picked up. I did four episodes on vice.com. And I really enjoyed doing it. The guests were all good. It was a little disorganized over there just because uh, they're very busy guys and they're expanding so rapidly and they have HBO stuff. So I've been talking to another network who is very interested in doing it. I haven't announced it or anything because I guess they want to. But I do think that we're going to do something with them about it. So I'm really psyched about it. I'm very, very happy. Wow. And what will the show be like? Same as last time I do a monologue interview someone, have some segments. Half hour, I think, you know, I want to be able to interview fun people too. Will it be one guest or two guests? I don't know. Like I love Ricky Gervais. I love guys like that who are famous and funny. But I also love other people who are not as famous and funny and just, you know, average. Like I interviewed on on the Vice show, Rick Ross, the drug dealer, not the rapper. And he was fun to talk to. He was really, really interesting. And I wanted to very much interview a guy I had interviewed on the radio named Patrick Kennedy. He de- he's died, though. 
He was a Milwaukee cop, the guy who debriefed Jeffrey Dahmer. So uh, we interviewed him, and it was one of the most interesting interviews I ever did. So I wanted to bring him on the talk show, mm-hmm. but he dropped to have a heart attack. Guys like that. How rude of him. Yeah, I know. It was really inconvenient and irritating and a bit <laughs> self-centered, if you want the truth. But. Right. And your show, is it in front of a studio audience? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, the other one is just going to be too Charlie Rose-ish. Right. And uh, I'm not as good at an interview as Charlie Rose. And I, I don't want it to be that dry. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I want it to be like a little... Uh, you know, I, I like the laughs from the crowd. I love the laughs from an audience. And I think your guest is more honest in front of an audience because they feel like they have to, to, to tell the truth. They don't want the audience turning on them. Right. So I think that people are a bit more... You probably can't get as personal, but, you know, as the intimacy of just this room. But you, I, I think the idea of them wanting to please the audience keeps people on their toes. If there were a whole audience in here, instead of Jeff, your manager, me, and my dog... Um, would you be saying different stuff? No. I might be, because I'm very sleepy and my voice is getting a little bit shot, so I'm talking slower, but no. There's nothing I wouldn't have said. Right. And there's nothing like I would back off from. I mean, I would say what we're saying now if we were going out live on television, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. care. Um, And you are co-hosting, so it's, is it Opie and Jimmy or is it Opie and Jim Norton or what's the... They'll call it Opie and Jimmy or Opie with Jim Norton, but... I, and I've said this on every uh, outlet I've talked about it on. I don't want it to be uh, the Opie and Jimmy show because it's Opie and Anthony, and I'm not. I'm I'm not stepping into Anthony's place. Anthony's place is vacant. Opie and I are trying to make it work because it's beyond our control, and Opie wants to perform, and so do I. Mm-hmm. You can't lay down and die because circumstances stink or change in a way that I don't want them to change. So the way I think he and I both look at it is as long as this machine is still rolling, there's always a seat that Anthony can step back into. I always think that he is rehirable. I think they should have never should have fired him. Right. But I always think there's a place for him to come back. Is he allowed to guest? On no, the it's show? funny. Joe Rogan co-hosted the show for us. We don't do Fridays anymore, and Rogan's in LA, in New York now. So he went, he went in yesterday and co-hosted this morning. And Anthony apparently tried to get on the show this morning. Rogan wanted him as a guest. And the building wouldn't let him in. They're scared of him. You know, mm-hmm. he's not a danger. I know Anthony. He's a gentle guy. But he yells and he screams and he has a gun all the time because he's a licensed gun owner in New York. And that's corporate people are scared of that. They, you know, well, he's banned from the building and they think there's a big liability. I'm sure that's what it was. They haven't said that. But what else could it be? They're all right. fucking lawyers. So I think that they need to talk to Anthony. and He needs to talk to them. And, you know, he's a very charming guy. Like, he's not this... Sounds like it. I know, I know. I'm really not painting a good picture of him, but he really <laughs> is a sweet guy, and he's not a violent person at all. Mm. Why think, does he carry a gun? Because I think he wants to protect himself, and, you know, like so many people, he doesn't want to have a home invasion mm. and rely on people to protect him. He doesn't want to be the victim of an assault, even though he was, and he didn't pull his gun out. Would you carry a gun? I don't trust myself because I'd probably kill myself with it. But I mean, would I carry a gun on principle? Absolutely. But I'm too hair trigger. Like I would. No, I, I don't even think I mean on principle. I mean in in practicality. No, never. No. Because yeah. um, I believe in the Second Amendment. I think I should be able to. But mentally, no, because I would pull it on someone. Mm-hmm. I would either shoot myself, or I would draw it on somebody for cutting me off. I would be very irresponsible. Whereas Ant proved himself totally responsible because he didn't pull it back when that encounter happened he had showed no violence whatsoever he didn't hit her he Mm -hmm. put his arm up he blocked her punches the best he could he didn't even swing a punch or a slap and he he had every right to knock that woman's jaw off her face because she was physically striking him in the street Mm -hmm. and he did he showed tremendous restraint excuse me so that's why uh 
that he's a great commercial for the NRA because he's a guy who, you know, and I don't even like the NRA, but, you know, he's a guy who behaves responsibly. Right. And what it's, I feel like we're, this is like well, well worn terrain. So I'll just ask a quick question. Sure, about sure. It. You can. I mean, what is your feeling about the tweets that got him fired? I thought some of them were ill advised. You know, he was angry. And the, you know, I think Pendulette said it best. He got assaulted and he chose the pen rather than the sword. He didn't say a lot of the things as smart as Anthony Cumia is. He was pissed off and he had been punched in the face by a woman. And he's talked a lot about how he feels there's a disproportionate amount of black crime. And some will disagree, some will agree. It's irrelevant. That's, he's allowed to say that. And I think that combined with anger, um, there's certain things I even joke in my special about it that I wish he would have tweeted in a different order or not said. And I think he knows that. Like, yeah, looks at that and goes, yeah, I didn't handle that perfectly well. He knows it. I think his great mistake was the next day. Um, whereas I think that what he should have done was take the tweets down, not in some groveling, I'm so sorry, but like, you know what? I roped more people into this than I should have. I was angry and I was reacting to being fucking punched in my dumb face and I, mess, I messed up. And then given interviews, he's a smart guy. And instead of attacking the guy from Huffington Post like, or, or, or Gawker, who I get why he wanted to attack him because that guy was like a little jizz bag, but give the guy an interview and explain yourself. I, didn't, that, I don't know what happened the following day. Well, Anthony started just you know, attacking these people on Twitter and responding to them. And right. I think that, and Sean Hannity, you know, for all people who know like Sean Hannity, Sean called me on the phone and, he, and, he, and he, he, we'd never spoken on the phone. He goes, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> I'm like, well, this was the next night. I'm like, he's having a rough go, man. He's spiraling. You know what I mean? He goes, give me his number. He's got to fucking take those tweets down. What's he doing? Like, Sean Hannity wow. was genuinely concerned that Anthony, I was concerned for him because I'm like, I don't know what he's like self destructing, kind of. In a way, he's, he's self destructing because he's been fired by email. He shouldn't have been fired. Um, hmm. You know, he's just, he's having a, that's what happened. He got an email from Sirius and, uh, I think he was just really venting and a lot of frustration was coming out. But again, they, they may have fired him anyway, to be very honest with you. So I don't say that Anthony made... Wait, crit- they, they may have fired him anyway based on the tweets regardless of how he handled regardless, the Regardless, even if or- he took him down the next day. Oh, okay. They may have fired him anyway. They said the reasons we fired him is because he combined violence in those tweets. Because uh, he was like, I hope she gets shot... And I understand the emotion of that. Like, that sounds like a terrible thing. But if some woman punched me in my face and called me a white motherfucker, and the worst thing I said was, I hope a homeboy shoots her, you know what? You can't go to jail for that. You're allowed to wish whatever you want. But whatever. They, mm-hmm. They're corporate people. Well, I think to me, the, the ones that I remember being the most like, oh, no, <laughs> about were, didn't he liken her to an animal and refer he, to her as it. Um, he, there was some, a lot of dehum- there was some dehumanizing stuff. He might have, but I didn't mind it when it referenced her because again, when someone assaults you and punches you right. in the face, they're behaving in a savage way and calling them a savage is fair because the New York Post does it. They, they were like, they couldn't believe he did it. But it's like, if you behave that way, you deserve, you're behaving like an animal. It's, it's like, how about uh, people that do a home invasion 
and, and rape a woman, they're animals. I don't care who they are. This video of a guy breaking into a woman's home and he throws her down the steps and tries to kill her. Like with her kid there. He's a fucking animal, that guy. That's a behavioral thing. Of course. Where of course. was rumble. When you start mentioning stuff like the black community. And yes. All, that's to me where, it, dude, it just gets too, it, the, the water is too muddy. Yes. And, and it's not like you're giving a dissertation in front of people who are open to nuance. This is Twitter. And you're, and you're doing it angry. So you're not making like, he's such a smart dude. And, and again, I, he knows this. Now, I'm not saying something Anthony doesn't mm-hmm. know. You're not making the, uh, dis- this, uh, the distinguish, uh, distinguishing things or whatever the word is, the differentiation, differentiating the way you should, distinction. Thank you. You're not leaving the, dis- making the distinction you should make. Um, you know, even though in a court of law it may go this way, you know how these are going to be read. But the whatever distinction he should make, meaning that he's talking about her as opposed her, to her, yeah, black and yeah, there is, yeah, maybe there is, and if you feel there's a disproportionate amount of crime in the black community, that's a fair opinion to have because black reverends say that. Mm-hmm. Black reverends say that. It's not a racist white guy saying that. Every black preacher says the community has got to behave a certain way. This is terrible, but it's just the combination of things. All that said, he should not have been fired. They should have applauded and said, wow, you said a few stupid things, but man, you didn't haul off and punch that woman who hit you first. How many of us can say that? Like, if that was a guy who hit him and he walked away, people would have been like, how did he walk away without striking Mm -hmm. back? Look at how many violent altercations people have in daily life. One guy yells at another guy, you looked at my fucking wife. (laughs) And the next thing you know, one of them is dead because they didn't walk away. So whatever. Um, I defend him very, very uh, adamantly about that. And people want to attack the racial angle of what he said. Who gives a fuck? Who cares if he said racially insensitive things? That's not the same as hitting someone any more than making sexist comments. Like Bill Cosby, and uh, I joked about this on Chris's podcast, where Chris brought it up. He's a guy who says everything right, and he was raping women. So we're in a country now that judges what you say and not what you do. So I guess we should just, if we're going to be consistent, I guess Cosby's rapes. Well, I think rapes, we judge everything, especially what you say, because it's so easy to see. Yeah, maybe you're right. You're right. We do judge everything, because the actions are judged, too. But with Cosby, he's a guy that said everything right. Yeah. Never would have said that. And this goody two-shoes was drugging and fucking women while they were asleep. So it's like, come on, stop with the Anthony shit. And it makes me crazy. But I still think there's a way for him to come back. But it's a conversation that he's got to have. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Opie and Anthony were snipping at each other recently. And these guys uh, are, uh, and I know uh, that upset me too. <laughs> the, dog, the dog and I are very much in <laughs> the same vibe. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's found uh, your soulmate. He, uh, you know, those guys have years of tension and stuff. It's like any marriage. You have years of tension and it builds up. But I think now they're in a good place. Like they've kind of called a truce. They're not going to yell at each other. So I'm hoping that there's still a window there because I miss him. And me missing him is not a reflection of not loving Opie. It's nothing to do with that. I just miss my friend. You know, mm-hmm. I miss being comedic with this brilliantly funny guy. Does Opie miss him? Of course he does. What Opie doesn't miss is the tension that they had. What Anthony doesn't miss is the tension that they had. You know, um, but they both understand that they brought something to each other that is not easy to find. You know, it's uh, you know, like Howard Stern and Robin Quivers. It's a much more unequal partnership. But I think that when she's not there, and again, I don't listen to the show because we're on at the same time, but he said he couldn't do the show without her. Like, they have some kind of a relationship 
that just works and they mm-hmm. bring something out of each other. Even though in, they're, they're a much more disproportionate big dog, little dog than Opie and Anthony are. But Opie and Anthony were equals, right? Equals in the pay and everything like yeah. that. Yes. Jim Norton, not an equal in that situation, but that's okay. That They were there before I was. They brought me on board and made my career. So I think that they both understand that. They are able to succeed on their own. Opie and I are doing okay. Anthony is doing okay. But there's something about the combination that just works. And the fact that it works better as a combination is not a statement that you are weak individual performers. That's not – those things do not – they're not, they don't, one does not mean the other. Abbott and Costello worked well together. There can just be magical chemistry. There's just magical chemistry. Um, I have great chemistry with Anthony. Opie has great, me and Opie have decent chemistry. It's not as good as Opie and Anthony's was. But again, Anthony and me is not as good as Opie and Anthony. You know what I mean? It's that they had this thing that just clicked. Laurel and Hardy would not have been good on their own compared to what they were like together. They might have both been funny guys. But that combination just, you know what I mean, made them. And you can't feel a sense of not fulfillment as a performer just because you're a part of a team. Well, here's a question. And this is actually something that I've been thinking about as it relates to um, my show sometimes. Tension. Do you think tension makes for more comedy? Or do you think Opie and Anthony without that tension between them are better? Um, without the tension, they're better in, in, as a team. Tension does not pushy again. Something can be funny. We need tension in humor. Relas- bad relationships are funnier than good relationships. But when you're performing with someone, underlying tension that's not good mm. only hurts comedic flow. It only hurts everyone's bouncing around the room because then you slam, you know, uh, Opie and he takes it wrong. He's like, what the, f- whoa, he thinks it. Or if you say something about Anthony that or you look at him wrong, you give him a, a snide look, he thinks this cocksucker's eyeballing me wrong. Like, you know what I mean? Like there becomes this. People get in their own way. They get in their own way because it just becomes this underlying thing where you think something represents something it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And with humor, it's got to be like at the Comedy Cellar when I would sit around with, with Patrice and Vo- Geraldo and Voss and fucking Colin and Nick DiPaolo, Bobby Kelly. If any of us at any point thought there was something underlying, me and Patrice had something once. I'm on Tough Crowd where I was fucking with him on Tough Crowd and Patrice would just steamroll you or fuck with you. He didn't. And he was uh, doing something and I, I just kept disagreeing with him or breaking his balls and he got legitimately angry at me. He's like, you motherfucker. And he thought I was trying to sabotage him for real. And I'm like, no, I really wasn't, dude. He goes, yeah, you were. I saw what you were doing. I'm like, no, you did. I don't remember the exact exchange. But I'm like, you're my friend. Like, do you really think I want you to fail on television, you fucking dope? Like, we got really mad at each other because there was that underlying thing in that moment. He thought I was doing something that I legitimately wasn't doing. Like, you know, I would never have tried to hurt my friend mm-hmm. on TV. Me and him got into another argument on Colin Quinn's original show on NBC because I was going over something with the censor and Patrice was busting my balls while she was there and I was like, I'm trying to get something done. He's like, shut up, you know. And I just fucking snapped at him. I'm like, I know you're a comic. Don't try to make me, I know, I get it. I know what you do for a living. But in that case, he was being a ball breaker more than he should have, but I saw some underlying thing that wasn't there. He was just being Patrice and I'm looking at it like I'm trying to get something done and you're not giving a fuck and you're fucking with me. But he really wasn't. He was just breaking balls and he was nervous too. And 
So I read something that really wasn't there either. Mm-hmm. In that case, Keith Robinson moderated it <laughs> as, as he would. And then there was the time when me and Keith Robinson got into it in Brazil because uh, something bothered me. I think he was going to fuck one of the hookers or I liked one of the hookers as a girlfriend and he was saying that that's fucking up everybody's fun. And Patrice moderated it and said, no, it's, you know, for us, it's a fantasy land and you're breaking the matrix by saying that she's just a hooker. You know, there's all these weird, you have to talk this stuff through. Wait, you liked one of the hookers as a girlfriend? Is that, uh, what you that happens to me many times in my life. But yeah, in Brazil, I found one who spoke English and I really liked her. So, you know, and Keith, Keith Robinson's a, an entity unto himself. He can just roll through and put his dick in anything and not care about it. I really, and, you know, he's one of my c- closest friends in the world. So we were arguing, but you need the moderator friend. You need to, and that was what Opie and Anthony did not have. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a legitimate, ah, shut up. What the fuck, dude? And like someone moderating it the way me and Keith did that day. It didn't boil over. We did legitimately hug it out at the end for lack of a douchier term. Or me and Patrice talked it over. But when Tough Crowd first started, Colin and Patrice weren't speaking. They had had some kind of a falling out and they'd both talked about it, you know, where I think Patrice's mother, who was just awesome, um, came in with Patrice into Colin's office and they talked about it. But they had a fight that needed to be moderated. And Patrice's mom was there. And, you know, it was obviously a very, they loved each other. But I remember when that show started, we really wanted Patrice to be a part of it and he wasn't. So I think with guys like Opie and Anthony, who are both volatile guys to a certain degree, and so am I. They didn't have that. They had the walk away angry thing, go to bed angry every night for years. And it didn't mean they never had fun together. They hated each other. But there was just that lack of explosion and moderation, which helped save my relationship with Patrice. And it helped save my relationship with um, uh, Keith Robinson. Did you ever try to be that person to Opie and Anthony? Yeah, but I'm too close to them. I'm, I'm too close to Ope and to Aunt... Um, uh, it's it's almost like it's too personal for me because I know too much of what they're saying, and if Opie says something where he's not being totally truthful, I know it, and if Aunt says something that he's not owning up to a piece of it, I know it. So I guess I can jump in and fill in the blank, but a lot of times I don't feel that's my role. I'm not your nurse, I'm, and not, they don't want me to be their nurse, mm-hmm. but I'm not. That's your responsibility to call each other out, not to have me jump in codependently. So yeah, you know, they need that. All right. Well, I want to quickly tell you guys about something I am in love with, and I know you will be too if you aren't already. That is Sherry's Berries. You've heard me talk about them before. They are so good. Big, juicy, delicious, giant, freshly dipped strawberries dipped in chocolate. There's milk chocolate. There's dark chocolate nuts, chocolate chips, white chocolate with uh, dark chocolate swizzle or drizzle, drizzled swizzle. What I'm saying is they are so good. How did they get strawberries this big and this good? I don't even know, but they did. And you know who will love them especially? Your mom, but not just your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, your boss, your employees, There's really no one who won't appreciate Sherry's Berries. And I always say this. I say, if you're going to give someone Sherry's Berries uh, and you heard about it on this show, tweet me and let me know what they think of them. And then I get a bunch of tweets from people saying my mom loved them or my girlfriend or my wife loved them. Um, My kids love them. I love that. And I've given them as gifts and uh, my family 
loves them. And Sherry's Berries has things that aren't just strawberries dipped in chocolate, although you don't need more than that. But they also have chocolate dipped uh, cherries. They have cake pops. They have truffle pops. They have chocolate dipped uh, pretzels. I'm having trouble remembering. They have like all sorts of gift baskets. There's so much cool stuff at berries.com. That's where you go to get all this stuff. That's B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. So special offer for you guys, my listeners. Sherry's Berries is offering giant freshly dipped strawberries starting at $19.99. That's over 40% savings. Go to berries.com, click on the microphone and type in my code, best friend. Here's the only way to get this amazing deal. Freshly dipped strawberries starting at $19.99. This offer is for my listeners only when you use my code best friend. Visit berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. Click on the microphone in the top right corner and type in best friend. Go to berries.com, click on the microphone uh, and enter my code best friend. This deal expires this Sunday at midnight, so make sure to order now. Okay, so I asked people on Twitter for some questions, and we got some good ones. Okay. Um, so let me just go ahead and ask you a question. But first, we have to hear the theme song. It's the Topic, Topic Sombrero. We asked for topics and you sent them in. It's the Topic, Topic Sombrero. Now pick the topic. All right. Naveen R. Johnson says, working R-rated like yourself or insult comedy like Tosh or Jezelnik or clean, what takes more comedic skill? None of the above. There's no valor in any style. It all depends on what makes you funny. Don Rickles was a genius at insulting people. Jerry Seinfeld is a genius at working clean. Cosby is a genius at working clean. Richard Pryor was a genius at characters. And Carlin was an observational genius uh, as far as social issues. So there's zero. Um, It all depends on the performer. Okay. And John A. Rembold says, what STDs has he contracted over the years from having sex with trannies and call girls? Good. uh, I don't know why trannies have to be separate from call girls. They can't all be (laughs) in the same thing. I got chlamydia once, I think, and I got crabs three times from the same girl, but she was not a hooker. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. And then uh, Andrew Miller says, let's talk peanut butter, crunchy or smooth? Crunchy. Absolutely. That's part of my greed, more deliciousness. Mm. Part of my gluttony. Excellent. Let's do Just Me or Everyone now. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? All right. So this is where people tweet us things they think or do and they wonder, is it just them or everyone? Sure. And we weigh in. Darnell Broussard says, when I break wind in the midst of a deep IM chat, for a split second, I wonder if the person I'm chatting with heard it. No, I don't have that. Not at all. Not even during a Skype chat when I stand up and point <laughs> my ass at the camera. <laughs> all right. Johnny Primo says, Jennifer Lopez and Sandra Bullock would be the hottest couple. I wish they knew how in love with each other they are to me. Just me or everyone. Um, I don't know. No, I don't have that. I don't think. They would be wonderful together. Jennifer J-Lo and Sandra Bullock? Yeah, I feel like probably other people do. Yeah, I I would much rather see Scarlett Johansson with Yafit Koto. That would turn me on more. (laughs) (laughs) And then Johnny Primo also says, I feel like LOL is rapidly becoming the most used word. 
It's used quite a bit. I feel like people have now taken nervous laughter and brought it onto I am. Most overused word. Yes. I think. Yes. But it's also a thing without text. So many things are misinterpreted. And LOL, it's the... (laughs) That's all it is. Mm -hmm. It's a way... It really does help, though, because without these dumb emojis that we all think we hate... Text is just bland and you have no idea. No How are you this morning with a smile? You know, it's like dumb shit that you would, we, we, we have to make up for our lack of facial expressions in text. Right. Bruised by Dawn says, the closer to Friday it gets, the more I can justify stopping on the way to work for a ham and cheese croissant or a donut. I, my, my food is not related to Friday or the weekend or anything like that. For me, it's like if I just did a photo shoot or a TV appearance, then afterwards I feel like I can allow myself to have whatever I want because presumably except not lately but presumably I will have been really not I've been really restricted beforehand yeah except that my ability to even do that has kind of gone away it used to I used to do Friday I used to do television every Saturday morning in New York and I wouldn't even I would barely eat on Friday and I certainly wouldn't have dinner um, as if it makes any difference in how I'm going to appear on Saturday morning but it was more like how I felt but now I can't even do that anymore yeah, I don't relate it to the weekends either. It's if I'm doing good and working out or I'm on a date, I'll have a little dessert. Never a weekend, though. Mm. Sooner Magic says, can't stand other people's laziness, but my own doesn't bother me. Yeah, that's, that's we're, we are all asses with our own stuff. Absolutely. Val Perkins says, ever think your pet has good days or bad days? I ask how their day was all the time. I, I don't find myself asking Wendy how her day was. But I do ask her all sorts of questions like, Who's so cute? <laughs> and she knows the answer. Too. Yeah, she's right. Um, you don't have any pets, right? I do not. Did you ever think of getting any or would it just not work with your schedule? I had cats when I was growing up and they both died and I just mm-hmm. never can deal with that again. So It is an awful, awful thing. Terrible. And it happens frequently because they just don't live that long even under the best circumstances. Yeah, and, and I just, you know, it's like, it's really, it's, it's a weird feeling to laugh that hard. So I'm like, I don't <laughs> know if I could ever... <laughs> 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 Eric Michelson says doesn't like it when a waiter says no problem like when I say no cheese please I don't care if it's a problem or not this has come up before people having issue with no problem or no prob I don't take it literally so I'm fine with it as an expression I hate no worries because you're not or, or I hate cheers I hate yes. when someone says cheers you're not British stop it you know I want to hear no problem if I'm with a girl I'm like I'd love a blowjob no problem that's a great <laughs> time for no problem <laughs> Yeah, I don't like cheers. I say no worries, but I understand people who don't like it. Yeah. Um, Meg, but what what's better than no worries? Because usually no worries is when someone is like apologizing profusely for something. It would be on email. And then I'd be like, I'd reply with no, no problem worries. No problem can be okay. Just not from a waiter. All right. Megan says, if listening to a podcast, I find myself getting irritated with my family and coworkers when they interrupt, then I feel bad. Yeah, if you're, if you're really... Focused on anything being interrupted is annoying. Yeah, I feel I don't feel bad. I feel uh, bad that I'm friends with such assholes that talk when I'm listening to something. So yeah, no, I never feel bad about being annoyed. It's like shut up, I'm listening. And finally, Dustin H says, after listening to other just me or everyone's, I think no, but I do or will now. Yes, that's constantly happening to me. People point things out on just me or everyone, and I think now that's going to be me. Um, what do you mean? I wish I had a good example of this. Let me hear that again. The question, because I think I'm just, I'm not comprehending it. After, well, it's very specific to this segment. So after listening to other just me or everyone's, I think, no, not me, but I will now. Meaning like for me, an example would be, 
I've never had a problem with no problem before, but I probably will now. Oh, because you hear it here. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. I can't think of anything said today that I haven't thought of, like as far as that's concerned. But right. yeah, I could definitely see being influenced by something. And once it's pointed out, you can never not point it out. Right. Yeah. Right. Like recently someone wrote in to say that they try to get one full good wear out of clothes, out of new clothes before washing them. And then we had this conversation about people who wash their clothes before wearing them. I don't do that, but now I feel like it's something that maybe I should consider I have doing. to because they itch. I'm a very sensitive-skinned boy, as both of you are aware. It's <laughs> part of my bio. I'm very, very gentle-skinned boy. I don't like <laughs> clothes. But yeah, once in a while, uh, I, I cannot wear them without washing them. And sheets, too? Absolutely not. Itchy sheets. I've left five-star hotels who have too much starch in the sheets to go into a courtyard Marriott. Wow, really? I hate them. Yeah, I have to get out of here. All right. Well, Jim Norton, thank you so much for being thank on the you, show. Thank you. And I apologize. I just, I have, I have to go. We are going to have to take a quick pick. Um, sure. But go ahead and plug the things you need to plug. And then should we just do my plugs afterwards? We'll just do my plugs afterwards. Jim has got to be somewhere. Just my special on Epics. You find it this month. is called Contextually Inadequate. We'll be on Netflix eventually. Just go to jimnorton.com for my personal dates. Thank you. I really I enjoy talking to you very thank much. Thank you so much. Well, Jim had to run, which is a shame because he didn't get to hear me tell him about ZipRecruiter.com, which is pretty much the best place to go if you're looking for a job because ZipRecruiter is like a one-stop shop for job searching. So I'm sure, as you know, if you're looking for a job, there's so many different job boards and it can be a full-time job, if you will, to go to all the boards. Why do that when with ZipRecruiter, you can search jobs from hundreds of boards in one place for free? And my favorite feature... Or one of my favorite features. No, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm gonna say my favorite feature that ZipRecruiter offers is you can apply to jobs with just one click right from their easy to use interface. So all the doing the resume and I mean back in the old days before it was so easy to apply to a job, there was a lot of paper involved and there was the resume and there was the cover letter and there was for me for magazine stuff there was a bunch of clips and there was a mailer and there was going to the post office and da da da. It's all so much simpler now. You just, just one click and you've applied to a bunch of jobs. Uh, and you get daily personalized jobs for free thanks to ZipRecruiter's intelligent job matching. Um, and another, well, remember when I said the one click was my favorite feature? Maybe actually what my favorite feature is is that you can see the status of the jobs you applied to uh, in ZipRecruiter. So you can see if the job is open or closed and you can see the number of other applicants, which is information that in the past you had to know someone on the inside to get. And even then you couldn't get it. So ZipRecruiter really keeps you informed and in the know. So go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Allison to search jobs for free right now. That's Z-I-P-R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R.com, ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you're just a few clicks away from getting hired. Search jobs for free now and grab that great job before someone else near you does. ZipRecruiter.com slash Allison. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Allison. All right. If you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are because they have everything, click through the uh, Amazon banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra and it helps out the show. Thank you so much for your Amazon support. Thank you so much for your PayPal support. There's PayPal links on the right side of my website. And we have a ringtone available. Hey, hey. 
Hey, go fuck yourself. You can get that by searching Hey, Go Fuck Yourself on your iPhone in the iTunes store. We have two special bonus episodes available recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival. First one with Doug Benson and Greg Proops. Next one with Doug Benson, musician Matt Costa, and the former Thursday gang. You can get those by searching Allison Rosen in iTunes. They're $1.99 a piece, but each one is easily worth at least $2.64. And you can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. Email us, A-R-I-Y-M-B-F-Show at gmail.com. Jeff, where should we go for you? You can find me at Colonel Jeff Fox on the Facebook, the Twitter, and the Instagram. And if you feel like throwing some pity follows towards my show, uh, you can follow my show at Barracuda Radio on Twitter. Shameless. Yeah, it's it's a pity tweet. I'm, I'm begging for pity <laughs> tweets, but it's, uh, it's, it's looking pretty paltry there. All right. Thank you. I follow you though, right? I was going to say I'll go follow you, but I think I already do. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting lonely over there. We need more followers. If Allison follows me... You should too. Yes. Also, just right before we go, I'd like to point out, now Wendy is asleep at my feet. She was <laughs> kind of crazy throughout the whole show, as you guys may or may not have heard. I'm, I'm unsure how much that uh, carries through through the microphones. But now, now that the show's ending, she's being perfect. She was heartily licking the sole of my shoe for a little <laughs> while there. And really strongly, so maybe I stepped in some peyote on the way over here or something. Right, she, some kind of gone, yeah. dog barbiturate. Um, all right, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Jim, thank you for being on the show. Jeff, thank you for being you. What else can I be? So, so zen mm, and wise and enlightened listeners. Thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? Rosen is your new best friend.